It's a sensitive, delicate deal dragging brand new songs out of the sky, trading ideas, accepting some, storing others in the maybe later bag, moving on and along with hardly a plan. During the Zep years, I never imagined a full-scale album project without the other guys, and even less the idea of new writing partners. But then, since 1981, I've enjoyed many amazing, exciting musicians in the sharing, in the writing, in production and engineering. Men and women who encouraged and enlightened, introducing me to crazy curves I could never have imagined. For this podcast, I'm going to be picking out some songs from here and there along the way, mixing constant shifts in sound and intention from across this long old time. There's a story in all of them. I'm Robert Plant, and this is Digging Deep. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 15 of Digging Deep. As you might know, if you've heard the last couple of shows, this series is a Digging Deep live special recorded during a conversation Robert and I did in front of an audience at Rough Trade East Record Store in London. And as well as talking about specific songs, as always, Robert also answered questions submitted by his fans. So there's those in this episode as well. This episode starts, though, with a cover version, another one, a brilliant, beautiful song written by Tim Buckley and released in 1970. Over the years, it's been covered by Sinead O'Connor, George Michael, Shishila Rahman, Brian Ferry, and maybe most famously by This Mortal Coil in 1983. Robert included his version on his 2002 album Dreamland, and it might be one of his best vocal performances. This is Song to the Siren. Long float on shipless ocean. I did all my best to smile till your singing eyes and fingers drew me loving to your eyes. Uh, Tim Buckley song, a masterpiece. I mean, yeah. let's let's not bandy the words. It is just one of the most beautiful songs. What's your, what? How did your relationship start with that song then? Well, Tim Buckley cut some amazing tracks way back there, and um, and there were so many extremes in his performances. Uh, Sweet surrender songs like that, incredible. Uh, but that was a really concise, beautiful. There was not. There was no nothing peripheral. No nothing at all except for the song. And uh, of course, 4 AD put out that version by um, the Cocteau Twins. And uh, you think about that with Liz singing, it was just uh, it had a life, and then it had another life, and it will have forever a life. It's uh, it's like. September song or something like that. These songs that are uh, infinite, really. And um, I wanted to sing it. You know, the thing is, I feel like a kind of glorified pub singer because I'm really, I really like taking on songs like that. Uh, it was with um, 
saving grace until recently. I was doing a version of Nature Boy, and it's such. These songs are like for a singer to sing like that to get around that stuff. As much as I like Howling Wolf, you know, and, and I'm driven by that that sort of period of my life. And um, when you hear people sing like that, you know, that sing songs with such uh, beauty, yeah, uh, it's incredible. And um, yeah, there's an island off the coast of Ibiza called Vedra, and it's one of the many islands that they consider that uh, Ulysses was. He was tied to the mast, and they filled his ears with wax so he he couldn't hear the sirens. You right. know. Um, yeah, it's just an infinitely beautiful song. Yeah, and yeah. to sing it with those guys playing, and then you know, each of them contributes such a beautiful thing to it. The string part that Johnny Baggett worked out is really good. He's a star. There's some. I was l- looking this up earlier, and there's. He, he appeared and performs on an episode of the Monkeys TV show in like 1968. Have you mm. seen this? Because you get the like the sort of strange kaleidoscopic cartoon stuff, and then bang, he comes on and does this song in the middle of the show. Yeah, and it's jaw dropping. The kind of yeah. the I don't know the cartoon psychedelia to this incredibly emotive, totally timeless performance. Yeah, and what I didn't know was that he it was co-written as well. I can't remember the name of the other guy, but. Um, it was just uh, that was the time of far out, you know. That's when you could say that and you meant it, <laughs> you know. Do you ever cross paths with him? No, no. I knew his boy, a bit. Yeah, only a couple of times. Another amazing talent. Hmm. Did I dream? You dreamed about me. Were you here? When you're doing a vocal, because that that's another, it's such a beautiful vocal take. How demanding are you, are you on your own performances? Oh, I'm in it. I'm right in it. I'm inside every single element of how to move a syllable around. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's what I do. So I'm, say, I'm, I'm in the studio. I'm behind the desk. How is it? How do you work? Are you like? Is it first, second take, and that's it, or are you gonna more or it, less? More or less. So, it, is it the prep and getting ready before that take? No prep. No, no, because well, I mean, you might do it in a room somewhere, running through it, um, down in Bath or whatever it was where we were. I think we did this in uh, in Rack Studios up the road, Mickey Most's place. I think I think we did, yeah. But yeah, you can't because if you if you work on it. Anything that you want to do that sounds like you mean it is gone by the fourth take. Right. Because you're not meaning it the same way, you know. It's just a little bit 
because when you first go for it, you uh, sometimes it's lumpy. You have to do something about it, but mostly you have to get it when it's when you really mean it. Has it always been like that for you? Has it always yeah. been really? If you listen to Zeppelin one, that's singing. It's just so bad. <laughs> Don't think that's true. No, no, no. Because you because the impetus of the time was what it was, and and it was. But <clears throat> you grow, you mature. I mean, like. If I were 10 years older, I would have done it like this, maybe, you know. But so you look at all these things and you, so you get to a certain point and if you're going to deliver a song that's of carries that kind of mm. portents, it has to be, um, has to be really fresh within your, what you're getting out. Yeah. Quick. And you know when there's a take that's right, you know. Yeah, maybe you drop a line in here and there in the nicest possible way. mentioned we open this interview up to you listeners and fans to submit some questions to robert on social media which is what we did now for a better context it's probably useful to know that the night before this interview robert had been in barcelona watching his football team soccer team wolverhampton wanderers play against espanol question from lily of the valley what <laughs> album i'm just i'm reading them off here i'm not making these up robert. I, I, I dare say you're not but i thought we'd I thought chemicals were gone now. <laughs> <laughs> Lily of the Valley asks, what oh, did, album... Did you get the tone of that? Oh, we just got another one here on... It's like talk sport. Yeah. What album or song do you think most represents who you are as a person and who you've become? Um, hmm. I think Lullaby and the Ceaseless Roar is what I've become. Right. Uh, and I think, as a person, I've got quite a few different sides, areas. So um, part of me is talk, the Tall Cool One type of Now and Zen album, where it's a little bit pompous, very sort of twee, 80s. And the other part of me is that, that guy, you know, who writes stuff with those space shifters and comes out with things like Carry Fire, which is pretty portent. Another question? This is from Hans Twit. I'm not making these up. A uh, question for Robert. What are your favourite books at the moment? And how does your connection to literature inform or influence your approach to music? Well, Hans, that's a very nice question. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Well, I'm reading this book at the moment called Viva Nuno. Uh, and it's, I'm just following that on from my earlier readings of a book called Nunoism. And uh, Nuno Espiritu Sancto is the manager of Wolverhampton Wanderers for Right. And, 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 he, and you may laugh because I like being silly, but you just go to YouTube and listen to what he's got to say. He is like some super guru. And no bad mouth and no nothing at all. And... 
there's a guy who used to do a, not a podcast, but a blog, and he traveled around watching the fortunes of the black country faithful for years, and he, this is the most absolutely, inca- it's just amazing writing of all these different Saturdays and Tuesday nights that this guy's gone through life with all the pitfalls and the pain and the... And I'm serious. It's, this guy is like some Shakespeare on acid. One minute he's quoting from the scriptures. Next minute it's William Blake. The next minute it's a free kick at Tranmere Rovers and somebody's just pissed on his head from a great height or something like that in the away end. It's magnificent writing. Apart from that, I've been reading a lot of work by a guy called Martin Wall who is a writer, historical custodian of uh, other aspects of our history as, um, as all the different declensions of our island have opened up and all the, especially around the Welsh borders, which is where I'm, where I'm in, wherever I go, I take them with me, yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah, I read, and uh, I'm just interested in, uh, I read a lot, I, I went back, I went to the William Blake exhibition here recently, and uh, just, I really like not like, I'm impressed by beyond all belief with that whole drive that he had and his constant fury at his lack of acceptance because when he was in Zeppelin he was okay <laughs> Going back to the football thing what the, cause there's... No, no but it's, I mean it's beyond that it's no, no, just no, 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 yeah, that people can capture something and then they can go right through the whole um, kaleidoscope it's that about great writing even if you didn't give a hoot about the subject, it's the zigzag that's really good. That's really um, very uh, exciting. Because I've, I've got this theory about musicians and football, and I think musicians who started off going to football when they were quite young, when they were kids, and they heard those songs that's being sung on the terraces, and they heard them echoing around these big places. I think, and this is my theory, that for a lot, that's where you don't just hear music sung en masse, but you start to realise the kind of communion of music at yeah. a football match, how it ties together generations. It, it's, it's a very direct illustration of the power of music. Did you have that as a kid? Did you, have, did you go and sit in the stands and hear these songs and think, oh, music's... Well, no. OK. Um, but I did... Screw the theory then, thanks. Yeah. No, no, I did. I, I, to be honest... I'm not really sure what I did, um, but I do know that by the time we got, by the time I was at 21 or something like that, the overwhelm of the kind of what was happening to us four guys at that time was so hugely unaccountable. There's no trail that would you could have followed that said, hey, and when you do this, hey, that's going to happen. And then when you've done that, you, when you come out of the doctors, that will happen. Uh, there, was no, there was no roadmap for the thing, so mm. it was just... You, I could have ended up hanging out with Fairport Convention in a cottage somewhere in Berkshire, or, or I could have gone up to a soccer match and got right in the middle of the frenzy and the communion. And I did the latter, yeah. I found, I found a lot of... Um, uh, I could become part of something instead of being separate... I'm, most of my time, I'm separate. Last night, I was separate. We were held in by the cops uh, in Barcelona for a long time. And all, all my chums from, I would call it the Shire, but it's not really. Uh, we're going, plenty till him. 
Tell him who you are. And I said, but it's bad enough that you know. And the Portuguese cops were asking him, who is this? <laughs> it's like, and I don't want any more of that. So there's loads of books, but that, that'll do. I'm puzzled as a newborn baby. I am troubled as time. Should I stand amidst the breakers? Or should I lie with them, my bride? Swim to me, swim to me. That was episode 15 of Digging Deep and that song was Robert's beautiful version of Song to the Siren. We hope you're enjoying listening to the series right now and we do know it's a difficult time for a lot of people at the moment, in fact, for pretty much everyone. So hopefully these shows provide an enjoyable distraction or a moment of pleasure because music has the power to do that, I think. We'll be back with another episode soon. Until then, lots of love. I've been Matt Everett. Thanks for listening. This has been a Cup and Nuzzle production.